Well, today we're in a message series which I've called Faith Heroes. And the faith heroes that we're talking about in this series, indeed, all faith heroes in the Bible, they ended their lives in faith. Their lives ended with God in His rightful place. They didn't fall away from their faith. They continued to believe. They continued to serve God throughout life. The Bible is really very clear on this. So let's begin and look at some verses in the book of Ezekiel. Now these verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin, and we'll have them up on the screen as well. Ezekiel 33 verse 14 says, Again, though I, this is God speaking, say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. And so these verses are spoken re regarding eternal life and eternal death of a sinner. The wicked in this verse, if they turn from their sins, if they begin to live in a righteous way, believing God, then they will have eternal life. Their sins will be forgiven. Now, most believers today would agree with that, and yet the opposite is clearly taught as well. If we look back at Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 13, God says, Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered, but in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Now, this is the opposite case. There's a righteous person. God has said, you're going to live. You're going to have eternal life. But they turn from that righteousness. They fall away. They begin to sin. And what's going to happen to him? Well, this verse is clear that the righteousness of that person, the good things he's done, will not be remembered by God. But his sin will cause him to die in his sin, separated from God in eternal death. And so a true faith here will continue to live righteously throughout his entire life. He won't fall away. He will live faithfully for God, keeping his faith and living it out. And that's what we're going to talk about today, faithful living. What does the word faithful mean? Well, faithful means to be steadfast in affection or allegiance. Now, obviously, there needs to be an object for that faithfulness. Who, are, who, are we, who do we have affection for or allegiance to? Well, in the context of our message, faithful living Faithful living means we must be faithful in living to God. Obviously, the opposite is being unfaithful. We want to be faithful in living for God. Now, a believer's faithfulness to God is lived out also in being faithful in our relationships with other people. A believer, for example, is in their marriage is going to be faithful to their spouse. A parent is going to be faithful in raising their children. Children are going to be faithful in obeying and honoring their parents. Believers are going to be faithful within their church family. We are to be faithful in every aspect of our lives, both to God and other people. The Bible contains many wonderful promises for those who are faithful to God. Psalm 31, 23 says, Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. And so we see here that the Lord protects. He preserves those who are faithful to Him, who keep on loving Him throughout life. His protection surrounds them. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 24, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom His Master has set over His household 
to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And so Jesus is talking about finding his servants faithful when they meet him. And each of us is going to meet the Lord Jesus one day, either when he returns to this earth or when we pass into eternity. And here he speaks of a faithful servant who is faithful to the end of their lives till they meet the Lord. Those who are faithful will be blessed. And those who are not faithful to him will not be blessed with eternal life. Now today we're going to look at the life of John the Baptist. We're going to learn from his example as one of our faith heroes of being faithful throughout life. Now, God knew John before birth. He knows us before we're even born. John the Baptist's parents were Zechariah, a priest, and his wife, Elizabeth. They'd been childless for many years. They were now advanced in age, and yet God had a plan for John the Baptist to be born, even when it didn't seem to be possible. Parents who are faithful to God generally raise up children who are faithful to God, and so it happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Parents need to be faithful. Our story begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. And they, that is Zechariah and Elizabeth, were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. The scripture tells us, we won't be able to read all of the story, but that Zechariah and Elizabeth were advanced in years, but they continued to serve God faithfully throughout their lives. Even though they were past the time of childbearing, they continued to pray, they continued to believe God for a miracle child. One day, when Zechariah was serving the Lord as a priest in the temple, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and announced that he and his wife would have a son. The angel said in verse 15, He will be great, this is the son they were to have before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth would have not just any son. Their son would be considered great before the Lord. He would be raised according to the Nazarite vow. We see that in the Old Testament. It was a vow in which the person who took the vow would be prohibited from drinking any alcoholic beverage of any kind. Uh, they wouldn't cut their hair. Another person we all would recognize in the Old Testament who had the Nazarite vow was Samson. And so John would take the Nazarite vow. He would be consecrated to God in this special way. Who did the angel tell? The angel told his parents. And they were to instruct their son how he was to live before God. And so this son would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Now that's pretty unusual. But from the very birth of John, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says he turned many to God. God would use him mightily for God. And so the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth that they prayed faithfully for years after years, even after it didn't seem humanly possible for them to have children, those prayers were answered by God. And the son was born. John the Baptist was born and he needed to listen to his prophetic call. After John was born, his father, Zechariah, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will be 
go before the Lord to prepare his ways. And so John's father, Zechariah, was also filled with the Holy Spirit. After John was born, he prophesied by the Spirit over his newborn son. He said that John would be a prophet. He would go before the Lord Jesus and prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. Undoubtedly, this prophetic word was given at John's birth. I assume John didn't remember as a baby what his father had said, but this obviously was written down, and his father and mother uh, transmitted it to him. And, and he began to take it to heart and embrace that prophetic call that God had given through the Spirit to his parents, the call that God had planned before his birth. So how can a believer today discover God's calling on their life? John had a calling on his life. God communicated to him. Well, God has a variety of ways to speak to us. He often speaks in, in multiple ways that convey the same message. As we said, today the prophetic call of God for John the Baptist came through his righteous parents. And if parents are walking with God, parents are spirit-filled, often God will show those parents, his plans for their children so that they can speak into their children and guide them in their calling. God also speaks and confirms a believer's calling directly through the Holy Spirit, through other believers, and through his word. And so today, if you're a parent or a grandparent, or someday you will be a parent, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to hear from him, to hear from him his plans for our children or even our grandchildren. And then we need to have the courage to speak his words into their lives and then pray for them until those words come to pass. It's not enough just to have a prophetic call in a person's life, they must live out that prophetic call. I mean, John had a decision to make. Was he going to live out this prophetic call in his life or not? And he chose to live it out. The scripture tells us that John, John grew. He became strong in the spirit. It says he lived in the wilderness. And not much is, well, nothing is said about that whole time period before he appeared in his ministry that we'll talk about Speaking of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so his parents, we know, were advanced in years at his birth. And most likely they passed on when John was relatively young. And he lived by himself in the presence of God in the wilderness. And yet John's parents in, had a great influence on his life. <clears throat> as that influence led him to choose to live out this prophetic calling that God had for him. So we next see John shortly before the ministry of Jesus began as he was boldly proclaiming God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, this is what he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the message of John began with the word repent. Uh, Turn from your sin. Repentance means to turn from your sin and put your faith in God. And so John said, why should you repent? You repent for God's kingdom is near. God's kingdom is coming. You need to get ready. Now, that was the exact same message that Jesus began his ministry with. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near. 
It was the same message that Peter preached in the book of Acts. Repent and be baptized. All beginning with repentance, turning away from your sin. And so John knew that God was coming to establish his kingdom through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And John's mission was to prepare people for Jesus' ministry. So he boldly spoke of God's kingdom. And he rebuked the unrepentant. John was not shy, we put it that way, from what we see. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 says, When he, that is John, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so not only was John preaching about the coming of the kingdom, he was baptizing people as they repented, as they confessed their sins, he would baptize them in water as a symbol of their uh, repentance. He challenged the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees. They thought they needed no repentance. And yet they lived in disobedience to God's word in, in many different ways. And John made it clear that if you truly repent, then your life style is going to reflect that repentance. There's going to be a change in your lifestyle. Your life is going to bear good fruit and not bad fruit. John didn't bring attention to himself. He pointed to Jesus. He said in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John knew that his call was to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. John knew that he was not the Messiah. Jesus was the Son of God. John was not. Jesus was all-powerful. John re preached repentance. As we look through his ministry recorded in the Bible, he didn't work any miracles. They're not recorded. John baptized people in water for repentance, but Jesus would baptize his followers with the Holy Spirit beginning on the day of Pentecost. And so John faithfully lived out this prophetic calling. So living out our calling before God, and each of us has a calling from God, takes courage, it takes faith. And many people do not understand that when you are living out your prophetic calling, all of the forces of Satan will be directed against you. You will be in constant spiritual warfare with the enemy. He is seeking to silence you and to stop you in your calling in any way that he can. And if you think that your prophetic calling is just going to work out without any battle, uh, that's a false illusion. If you don't fight back with everything that the Lord has equipped you with, you're going to lose battle after battle over and over again. And you're not going to live out the calling that God has for you. The enemy is going to stir up people against you. It might be strangers, might be friends, even relatives that are going to oppose what God is calling you to do. We need to be bold. We must not be frightened by what the enemy attacks us with, but continue to follow the spirit in our calling. And as we do, it's not about us. It's always about pointing people to Jesus. He is the one who has the answer for everyone, the answer for every problem. And so as every believer has a prophetic calling, who, who has a prophetic calling is in constant battle, so we must be prepared for persecution. 
When John was persecuted, verse chapter 14 of Matthew, verse 3, for Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And so John was not politically correct. Uh, he didn't stay out of politics, as we are often advised to do. But just as John called on the common people to repent, he also called on King Herod to repent for divorcing his wife and marrying the wife of his half-brother, Philip. Well, Herod didn't like uh, that criticism, and so he put John in prison. And so not only had John been persecuted by the Jewish leaders, he now was being persecuted by the government. He was put in prison for calling on the king to repent. And yet John knew that his life was not his own. When John was in prison, King Herod threw a decadent birthday party for himself. And at the party, the daughter of his illicit wife, Herodias, put on a suggestive dance, and Herod was impressed by it, and he said, whatever you want, I will give to you. Well, the girl went to her mother, who was also not very fond of John, uh, because he had criticized her marriage, and she had a diabolical request. She wanted the head of John brought on a platter to the birthday party. And so that's what happened. Verse 10, Herod sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went out and told Jesus. And so John had become a martyr for his faith. He had faithfully carried out the prophetic call that was given to him at birth. He'd been faithful all through his life to the very end. He persevered through persecution. And now his mission was over. He'd prepared the way for Jesus Christ. He'd already testified to Jesus. He'd seen Jesus. He'd said, behold, the Lamb of God. And Jesus is now beginning his ministry. It was God's plan and purpose now for John to fade away and Jesus to take center stage. But John would now enter his eternal reward. He would leave an eternal legacy. Jesus himself said of John in Luke 7, 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so John had left an eternal legacy that we we can still learn from thousands of years later. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He looked ahead to the coming of Christ. He looked ahead to the establishment of, of God's kingdom. And John was the only Old Testament prophet who had the privilege of actually seeing and hearing Jesus. And yet John was not able to take part in that kingdom that Jesus was going to establish through his death and resurrection. And those in the kingdom are not just those born of women. They are born again through the Holy Spirit. They are able to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, to receive the indwelling power of the Spirit. But John, being faithful throughout his life, had prepared the way, both for Jesus' ministry and indeed for believers down through the millennia, including you and me. And so we are grateful for John's life and his faithfulness 
And I'm sure we'll meet him again someday in heaven. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me just say that again in case you missed it. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so we can turn that verse around. It says, if you're not being persecuted, perhaps you're not letting your light shine enough so that people are noticing you to persecute you. And so God wants us to, one of the ways that we know we're living a godly life, desiring to live a godly life, is by being persecuted. Now, persecution in America currently is not about being put in prison or facing execution. Persecution happens as we go against the culture and we might be considered a religious fanatic. Persecution in America is about losing friends, likes on Facebook, and maybe even being ridiculed. And it might be, you know, uh, even worse than that. But in other countries today, persecution is at an all-time high around the world. We're really insulated here. Living a godly life in many other countries may well mean prison or even death. My wife and I recently, my wife Carol and I recently watched an excellent documentary about the underground church in Iran. And uh, it's, it's on YouTube. It's called uh, Sheep Among Wolves Version 2. Sheep Among Wolves Version 2 is kind of long, but it's, it's really fascinating. And according to this documentary, uh, the church in Iran is one of the fastest growing or is the fastest growing church in the world. And uh, it's fiercely persecuted by the Islamic government. The churches have all been shuttered or destroyed. It's an underground church, but it's growing extremely, extremely rapidly. The believers are radical witnesses. They witness to everybody, even though if they're turned in by somebody, it will put them in prison or even cost them their lives. And yet their testimony is, we're not living for this life. We're living for eternity. Eternity is far more important than this life. They tell their spouses, when I go out this morning, I don't know if I'll be back. If I don't, you know what's happened. And they, the church is spreading like wildfire in Iran. But I would pray that we could use our freedom to live faithfully for Jesus Christ as witnesses where he's planted us today in our country and, uh, and not worry about the small little inconveniences that persecution would afford us right now. Today we've learned from the example of John the Baptist, a faith hero about faithful living. He lived faithfully for God all through his life. God knew you and me before birth just as he knew John. Just as John had a prophetic call in his life, we don't have the same, exact same prophetic call as John did, but we have a call from God on each of our lives. And no matter what your age is, it's never too late to live out that call. Whether you have many years ahead of you or a few, God has something for you to do. That's why you're still alive. That's why you're breathing. That's why God saved you. God wants us to live out that call. St. Louis needs you and me to carry out that call as we serve God, to let our light shine before people, talking to people, sharing our faith. 
Even though some people might get upset with it. In fact, if you're sharing your faith, somebody's going to get upset with it. I guarantee you. We must remember that our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And we serve the Lord Jesus. Uh, we answer to him. And as we serve him and we show love for people as we speak God's word. We live for eternity, not just for this brief period of time on this earth. We live for Jesus. And we're living in light of the soon return of Christ. He's going to come back. And we need to be ready. We need to be found as faithful servants when he returns. And so in order to live out God's prophetic call upon your life, his first call to each one of us is to be saved, to entrust our lives to Jesus Christ, to bow our knees to him. And there are not multiple ways to be saved, and this might be considered offensive by many, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There are not many ways to God. There's one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. All the other religions are false religions and lead people not to God, but away from God. To become a believer, to become a Christian, by the Bible's definition, we need to admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things, that we've been following our plan for our life rather than God's plan and God's call. We need to turn away from that sin and put our faith in God. That's what repentance is all about, to believe that Jesus Christ died to forgive our sins and rose from the dead. And then we commit our lives to him because he's alive today. He's ruling and reigning in heaven as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's not dead in the grave. And so we worship a, a risen Christ. We serve a risen Christ. We choose to follow him and bow our knee to him as Lord. And so I'd like us all to bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray a, a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer if you'd like to commit your life to Christ for the first time this morning. Or recommit your life. It's, if you feel like you've wandered away from from him and his plan for your life, which is easy to do. This is a good opportunity to recommit your life to God's call on your life and God's plan for your life this morning. So let's pray. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've turned away from your plan for my life. I've been doing what I wanted to do. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe that you rose from the dead and I commit my life to following you, your plan, and your call on my life from this day forward. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, this morning we thank you for the faithful life of John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus. Who had righteous, faithful parents who had him at a late age and raised him as to the best they could, and he followed that call all the days of his life. May we learn from his example of discerning and living out the call. May we follow that example through the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, God, for the times we're distracted from living out that call. We're distracted from seeking your kingdom first. Forgive us for desiring to be accepted by and following the crowd, even if it's other believers who are not passionately committed to you God help us to live for you alone we desire to live godly lives we desire to live out that call you have on our lives and we pray God 
that you let us know that we're on the right track by allowing persecution to come into our lives, God. And if we don't see it, God, help us to let our light shine brighter so that we make a difference and people either are attracted to the light or are repelled. May we realize that our lives are not our own. May we live for eternity, God, and not for ourselves and not for this life that's only going to last 70, 80, 90 years, God. May we be faithful servants who are pleasing to you, our master. May we be ready for you when you return. In Jesus' name, we pray. And God, we pray for our church that you would send us more committed leaders, more committed volunteers to serve your purposes in this city and to reach many more people for Jesus. Today we pray for our missionaries, God. We also pray for those who are at the cutting edge in many difficult places around the world. We pray for missionary Mali and Eurasia that we support in a country we can't even talk about. Protect her in the difficult work that she's preparing to enter into in the near future. May she be filled with the power of the Spirit as she seeks to rescue women from a life of bondage. We also pray for Luke and Tanya McKinley, who are planting this church in Lithuania. God, we pray that you would give them favor, uh, that you would help them to find a place for this church to, be, to, be, to meet, and that many people be one to you in that country in Europe that is far from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.